Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I'd like to welcome you to the May 22nd episode of the bull bear banter. Tom Guinan is joining me and is going to give us a recap of the corn and soybean markets for the week. Tom? Sure, Cheyenne. It was interesting to see the board kind of close a little closer to unchanged at the end of the day. I had been away from the markets for a little while and noticed that they actually closed a little better than I expected. July corn closed up a quarter on Friday at 318, but that is down one and a quarter from last Friday's close. December corn closed down one quarter at 332 and three quarters, but that's actually three quarters of a cent higher week on week. July beans lost one and three quarters on the day, closing at 833 and a quarter. And that's almost a nickel lower from last Friday. November beans closed down one at 844 and a half, down one for the week. Okay, so for our big story this week is the announcement of the details of the USDA's Coronavirus Food Assistance Plan, or CFAP. While questions remain, what we now know is that a payment will be made based on 50% of a producer's 2019 total production or the 2019 inventory subject to price risk as of January 15th, 2020 whichever is smaller, and that is going to be multiplied by a commodity's applicable payment rate. Confused yet? It gets more confusing, as corn will be eligible for both $0.32 in one program and $0.35 in another program, while soybeans will be eligible for both $0.45 and $0.50. Several questions are being asked throughout the industry, but the main ones swirl around the definition of inventory subject to price risk as of January 15th. Our team has reached out to several governmental and non-governmental entities for clarity, and as of this recording, we do not have definitive answers. We can tell you what we believe, but we think the questions should be and will be answered at your local county FSA office starting next Tuesday. Please keep in mind that you will need to make an appointment with them in order to gain entrance. With that, let's move on to more bull bear factors. For the bull factors for corn, U.S. corn exports last week were strong at 45.3 million bushels, and they continue to run modestly above the roughly 41.6 million bushels per week needed through the end of August in order to reach the USDA's 1.775 billion bushel projection. Each of the last four weeks' exports have been above this needed pace and averaging 46.3 million bushels per week. Last year, we averaged about 44.6 million during the same time frame. Cumulative export inspections of 1.033 billion bushels are still down 30% from last year, but are regularly gaining, while the USDA's newest export projection reflects an estimated 14% decline. U.S. corn sales last week were 34.8 million bushels. While this is in line with market expectations, it is down from the previous week's 42.4 million. Sales were double last year's same week sales of 17.4 million, and we're well above the roughly 11 million bushels we need every week to reach the USDA's projection. Since early March, sales have averaged almost 46 million bushels a week versus about 24.5 million per week during last year. Total commitments of 1.55 billion bushels continue to gain on last year and are now only 300 million bushels behind that level. Ethanol production increased again last week up to 195 million gallons versus 181 million the previous week. Ethanol inventory also declined below 1 billion gallons and was pegged at 992 million gallons. This is the lowest level since the last week of January. 
A rare shipment of U.S. ethanol is expected to arrive in China this month, according to three industry sources and shipping data. This is the first such cargo since the initial trade deal was completed in January. The market has been watching closely for signs of renewed trade in biofuels after China waived some additional tariffs on 696 American products, with ethanol among them. And finally, June crude oil futures expired this week, but without the fireworks we saw with the May contract. July futures are more than $15 a barrel higher than lows set on April 28th. So some bear factors I'm seeing for corn. Planting progress was estimated at 80% complete nationally, up significantly from 44% at this time last year, and above the five-year average of 71%. For Iowa, the numbers are now 96% planted versus 64% last year and an average of 82%. Nebraska and Minnesota are similar to Iowa, with 91% and 95% planted respectively, while Illinois at 83% and Indiana at 72% lag the other three just mentioned. They are well ahead of their pace last year, when Illinois was only 20% planted and Indiana was 12%. Even though ethanol production increased this week, it was still 38% below the same week last year, when they produced 315 million gallons versus the 195 million this year at this time. This also equates to using about 40 million bushels less for the week than a year ago. And it's also interesting to note that gasoline demand fell last week, even though ethanol stocks decreased. Usage was estimated at 6.79 million barrels per day, which was down from 7.4 million barrels per day for the previous week. For the bull factors for soybeans, U.S. soybean sales last week were a 22-week high at 44.3 million bushels and above market expectations. There were quite a bit of sales to China, which is great to see and definitely needed if the USDA's 1.675 billion bushel export projection is to be met. Chinese total commitments are now above where they were at this time last year. The NOPA report that was issued last week not only showed a new record for the month of April at almost 172 million bushels of beans crushed, but it was 107% of the crush from last April, which was also a large number. It does appear that we are right on pace with the USDA's latest number for the year, and that used to look a bit lofty. For our soybean bear factors, export shipments last week came in at 12.9 million bushels, which were a six-week low, and also the second lowest for the marketing year. For some perspective there, the previous week was 19.6, and the same week last year was 18.3. Keep in mind that we need to average more than 21 million per week to reach the USDA's projection for the year. And this is a repeat from last week. The May WASDE also continues to use 83.5 million planted acres, and there is quite a bit of speculation that this number is too low, with many projecting a number closer to 85 million. We'll see how that changes in the coming months. As far as what to watch for in upcoming events, Monday is Memorial Day, Landis locations and the markets will be closed. Tuesday is the first day to apply for the CFAP funds that Cheyenne talked about earlier. The next WASDE report will be issued June 11th, and July 4th is only six weeks away. I wonder how tall corn will be by this 4th of July. And now for Tom's take. I've been thinking a lot about the CFAP announcements that were made earlier this week and the many grain marketing stories I've read since then. Many of these have the same concern that I have. How does access to this government money impact the movement of grain, specifically corn, over the next few months? I keep saying that what I expect to happen around pollination time is that most farmers will take a good close look at their fields and realize that once again these new generation hybrids are doing their job and that most people are going to be looking at prospects for big yields this fall. 
I think that thought will then lead many people to the same conclusion. I need to move all of this old crop out of my bins and into town to get ready for harvest. So I've been saying I don't think that we, meaning the industry, will have to work very hard to get corn to flow to town during July and August. My fear is that it won't leave us enough time to get our facilities prepped and ready for the 2020 harvest. And what if that harvest starts September 10th or 15th instead of October 1st? Now marry that with the thought that the government is about to make payments to offset some of the lower prices that you have experienced the past few months. My advice would be to put that money to work and let it help you market your grain now, not in another month or two when all of your neighbors begin to empty their bins. Please don't just sit back and feel like you've got enough cash flow to last you 30 or 60 days and then worry about moving your old crop. If this crop is even close to what I, the market, or perhaps you expect it to be, values for old crop and new crop will erode even further. Getting ahead of that should pay off. If you're on the fence, give your GMA a call. Let's see what we can do to encourage you to move grain now, not a month and a half from now when we're getting overrun. Thanks for listening. I think that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at landiscooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week.